0: Hey everybody, I hope you're well this week. Uh, Welcome to this week's podcast. Today I'm gonna be talking to you about dream feeds. Uh, The question is, should I be offering my baby a dream feed? Now I'm gonna dive into this um, and talk about what a dream feed really is, how, who, why, where, and all that good stuff. All the questions that you might be thinking. So firstly, you might be wondering, Rachel, what is a dream feed? Well, let me tell you, a dream feed is a method used by some parents to offer late night feeding. Okay, now this usually is between 10 and 11 p.m. at night. It is initiated by you, the parent or carer, just before you might be going to bed yourself. I remember in the early weeks and months of having Chloe and Leo, but I remember more with Chloe because she's more recent. Um, I was so exhausted and so tired. I'd be going to bed at about half past seven, eight o'clock and I'd have to set an alarm to wake myself up to go and offer her a dream feed so the idea is that you feed your baby while they're still sleepy and not fully awake however it is really really important to know that not all babies will benefit from a dream feed which I'm going to talk about the why in this podcast and also there are some safety things that you're going to need to be aware of again I'm going to discuss all of this in today's podcast. So <clears throat> why why would you do it? Why would you offer your baby a dream feed? Well, there's a few reasons why some parents choose or want to offer a dream feed. So the first one is parents wonder, if we give our baby a feed around ten eleven o'clock at night, do you think they're going to go all the way through till 7am in the morning? That is the wonder there. And some parents actually find offering a dream feed will help their baby sleep longer stretches at night and even get through to six or 7am in the morning. In theory, your baby's stomach will be fuller and so they may not wake so frequently for those feeds and then everyone can have less broken night sleep. And thirdly, it may help stop those early wakings the following morning. Therefore, your baby may be able to establish a more consistent start of daytime and get into a bit more of a a regular consistent schedule that works better for them and for you. Not always is the case though, so keep listening, okay? Why may it not work? So, some babies totally rock that dream feed both leo and chloe totally rock that dream feed and it worked for them okay it took them through right through until 7am um in other cases it doesn't work so much okay now i would say if you are going to try the dream feed i would say try for a good five to seven nights maybe even ten nights to see if it works okay if it's not working then stop so how are you going to know if it's not working? Well, number one, uh, not in any you know particular top reasons, number one, but the first reason here I've got for you is some babies are really hard to rouse and they just won't feed at all. Chloe was a little bit like this. She was just really, really, really sleepy baby, still is a sleepy little girl, and she was just really hard to rouse. And when I lifted her and offered her that feed, she was just enjoying her dream so much she just wasn't going to wake and take any milk at all sometimes babies might only take you know one or two minute breastfeed a couple of ounces and you're like well what was the point in that another reason you might find it's not working is those multiple wakings that you're having are happening not out of hunger they're happening for another reason and that dream feed could be fueling it And it's certainly not going to resolve those multiple night wakings, okay? So if you are continuing to have those multiple night wakings and difficult nights, that dream feed's not working. Third, they are in such a deep sleep that when you do rouse them and they wake, they actually find it really hard to get back to sleep again and so you're in this battle of trying to get them to sleep even though they've had a feed and you're thinking oh, why did I even bother doing this <clears throat> now remember the the first part of the night's sleep up until about 12 1am is the deepest part of the night's sleep so if you wake them you are totally disturbing that cycle that sleep cycle there and it can be very difficult for them to get back to sleep again. No, I'm saying it can be. Not all babies, but some do find it difficult. Number four, if your baby is taking a dream feed, like I said, if they're still waking multiple times in the night, it's not working. So you're just best to let your baby wake naturally and then offer that feed if you feel that they are hungry and needing it. Number five, if your baby... If you if you, if they sleep for another five to six hours or so, then the dream feed is working. If they're sleeping right through until sort of six or seven a.m. in the morning, of course that dream feed is working, and you may like to continue with it. But <clears throat> if they are still maybe perhaps only waking maybe three hours later, that dream feed's not really doing much because that feed should be taking them at least five to six or plus hours. Okay. Remember, a baby who is ready to sleep longer stretches through the night will do so because they're developmentally ready, not because you've fed them, you've given them an extra feed at, say, 10 p.m., okay? It might help, but that's because they're developmentally ready to go longer stretches at night, okay? Reflux babies, number six here, reflux babies may really struggle with this dream feed. So before you even go for it, please go and speak to your pediatrician first and get that advice whether you should be lifting them or not okay and number 7 that dream feed can and i have seen it happen become a habit and then you're when you're wanting to stop it and you do stop it your baby continues to wake at the time that you're always feeding because the body the <clears throat> the blood sugar levels spike It wakes the body because they're expecting that feed and that's where that habit comes from, okay? And the body is busy digesting that milk. It may not have necessarily needed and therefore causing more wakings in the night and disturbing their sleep and disturbing their stomach and causing more stomach issues there. Now, note in bold here that it's really important to know that not all babies will benefit from a dream feed as you're probably guessing here. And you must be very careful when you offer this dream feed because some are so sleepy and so relaxed that they can actually choke because their muscles are just so relaxed. So be very, very careful. Advice is that you should wake your child fully when you are offering them a dream feed. Now, you might be thinking, okay, Rachel, I've got all of that, but when do I start this dream feed? Like, what age do I start this dream feed? And if you're saying it can become a habit, when do I stop it? Well, dream feeds are best for babies aged between zero to six months, okay? Now, that fourth trimester is more of a feed on demand, and you may find that your baby is naturally waking sometime between 10 and 11 p.m. anyway, and you're giving them a feed. I often recommend to stop that dream feed from six months, okay? So some so parents that I work with, if they're continuing to do that dream feed at between 10 and 11 p.m., or they ask me, should we introduce it? I'll say, well, like, no, I I don't think so. I don't want to start something that we don't necessarily need to have. And we could be, you know, like I've mentioned, disturbing that sleep cycle and disturbing their body's digestive system here and I've often found that babies tend to start sleeping longer stretches at night from six months to about 12 or 2 a.m maybe even longer at this age so assuming their calorie intake is optimal in the day and there's no other medical reasons they're totally capable of doing it and giving them that dream feed is just going to inhibit them or stop us from seeing that they can actually do it. How do you offer the dream feed? Keep it Really simple and really smooth, okay. It's dark, it's late, everyone's tired. We just want to sleep, please. We just want to sleep, so keep it calm and smooth, okay. Ensure you have all the things you need for this feed, such as a muslin and the milk. Now, if you're breastfeeding, that's going to be coming with you, obviously. But if your partner is doing the dream feed, offering a bottle of expressed or formula, make sure they've got that milk. I remember so many times um, my partner, Joanne, he went to go and do the dream feed only for him to go, I forgot the milk, Rachel, can you bring it? And there he is shouting from, you know, Chloe's bedroom, totally freaking her out, waking her up. She starts crying and I'm stressed. I'm like, oh my God, shh, stop shouting. And I have to go and get the milk and take it to him. And the whole point of him, one of the points of him doing it so I can actually go to bed and get some rest myself so make sure that your partner has got that milk okay now keep lighting off if you're anything like me and you can be eating your carrots and you can see in the dark and you can feed in the dark then great otherwise if you need some sort of light use a red light only you don't want to have you know any other lights that's just going to overstimulate and stop the flow of melatonin in your baby's body being released Gently lift your baby, unswaddle if they're in a swaddle, remove the sleep bag. If you want to change the nappy, now's the time to do it and that helps rouse them a little bit more because remember, we, advice is to wake your baby fully, okay? So changing the nappy can help them wake them a little bit more. Get comfortable on your feeding chair and offer that feed. A side of that nappy change keeps stimulation to an absolute minimum, okay? It's not playtime, it's feed let's go back to sleep everybody time now after that feed ensure you burp your baby before you lay them down into their cot okay now some babies are so relaxed and so sleepy they don't often burp um your child might actually not burp so much you might have a little one who you just have to lift a few degrees and the biggest burp comes out it's really important that you get that burp out <clears throat> because you don't want them you know full of air and that causing uh, causing any pain or issues, is the dream feed really a good idea? you're now wondering well let, let let's let's have a chat about that if If your baby is in the REM stage rapid eye movement stage of sleep, when you go and rouse them and wake them for this dream feed. Their muscle tone is going to be super relaxed, more so than during any other sleep stage. Now, this means your baby is more likely to choke and less able to swallow, as I've just mentioned above. Sometimes babies are so relaxed, they don't burp, as I just mentioned, but do try. And remember that when you lie them down, sometimes the milk does pop up into the esophagus and come out. And that's the point where they can choke. So do, I'm going to bang on about this, ensure that you try and burp them and it has happened and you feel confident that you can lay your baby down. If you are doing this dream feed and you can't get that burp out, you're laying them down and they're spitting up and they're unsettled or they're squirming or they're vomiting, then that dream feed may not be a good idea. You know, if you've had your baby projectile vomit as I did a couple of times, you know, you reluctantly crawl out of your bed to go and offer this feed and it's everywhere. And it's just, you know, oh, I want to go back to sleep and you're covered in milk. It's not fun. Okay. So like I keep saying, it's advisable to wake your baby fully. So they do have that muscle tone to swallow. Okay. And of course, if they're fully awake then they might find it's time to party and they can be really hard to get back to sleep again because you've woken them from that really deep sleep and the body's thinking oh well that was a great nap great i'm awake now i've had some food let's party and you might have a different ball game on your hands now for those who experience more wakings during the night as i mentioned earlier there's multiple night wakings that dream feed is not going to help there's something else going on there and that needs to be um addressed the dreaded 5am early rising, that could be because of that because of that dream feed. Um, you know, the number one reason early rising happens is overtiredness and then it's undertiredness, but of course it could be because of this feed. Why? Well, this is because you've un- interrupted their nighttime sleep cycle and you've disturbed that REM stage of sleep, that rapid eye movement stage of sleep and the digestion that their, you know, the body is trying to, deal with from that forced feed is contributing to more work the stomach has to do at night when it can be sleeping or when it would have preferred to be sleeping and all those sensations um physical sensations that your baby may be feeling can be disturbing your baby's sleep even more okay so Remember, hunger is not the only reason babies wake in the night. There's so many other reasons that your babies can be waking in the night, multiple wakings in the night. And a dream feed is not necessarily going to be resolving those multiple wakes at night at all. It could be fueling them. If your ultimate goal is to reduce those night wakings and you're not sure where to start or how to do it and you've tried the dream feed and nothing's happening, then get in touch with me. Let's get you booked in for your free sleep assessment call, let's have a chat what your ultimate sleep goals are, I can help advise what the best way forward is and get your baby and your family and you all sleeping work and I can help you with all of ease, okay, I can make this whole sleep thing easy for you and take all the confusion out of it, okay. So there we go. Today's podcast all about the dream feeds. If you've got any further questions about dream feeds or you want to share your dream feed story with me that it's worked or it's not worked, I'd love to hear from you. Please do drop me an email. I will put the link in the show notes for you. And uh, yeah, happy sleeping, everyone. And I'll catch you next time. Bye. Hey, everybody. I hope you're well this week. Um, Welcome to another podcast show. Um, I've had a couple of weeks off from uh, recording podcasts because life has just taken over and it has all been a little bit time consuming and overwhelming and the kids have been on holiday. So I'm back now and I'm just going to punch out some more podcasts for you. And this week I'm going to be talking about blackout solutions for the bedroom. I think this is really good timing, obviously, because... um, the mornings are so much lighter now aren't they which is wonderful and the evenings are lighter and definitely spring is in the air and summer is here just about um, and the days are just longer and of course the bedrooms are going to be lighter and especially if you're going away on holiday um, staying in hotels or airbnbs, apartments, um, you might find the bedrooms aren't Aren't going to be very dark. Certainly, they probably won't all have blackout blinds, and this just might be something that you're a bit concerned about or wondering about what you do when you go away on holiday. So, uh, today's podcast, I'm just going to dive into it all for you. And um, any of the products that I'm going to be mentioning, I'll put the links in the show notes for you so you can go and check them out. Um, and let's get into it. So. Like I said evenings and mornings are so much lighter now and you know some children you know who have got great sleep skills cemented there will sleep whether the room is bright bright sunshine pouring through the windows um, or even if there's just a crack of light they sleep really well and other children just really need the dark. I for one am that person who needs really really dark room um my children are all right they seem to be pretty good if the light is coming through it's my anxieties there just going no we have to keep all the blinds shut completely and keep it dark i don't want to risk anything so i am you might be a bit like that as well a bit anxious about the light coming in the room so let's get these blackout solutions sorted for you um of course (sighs) why do we have let's let's sort of talk about why do we have why do i recommend to have the bedroom as dark as possible um it's simple it's very simple it's because light will suppress levels of that sleep hormone the melatonin in the body it will stop the release of melatonin melatonin is the sleep hormone is triggered to be released when it's dark okay there's a few other things factors in there but when We go into a dark room and our body is ready for sleep. It triggers something for that melatonin to start being released. And it, you know, when that light is let into the room, it will penetrate through the eyelids and it can and will wake us up and it very can be very difficult to get back to sleep again, especially if it's sometime after 5am in the morning, when we know that sleep hormone melatonin is pretty much all run out, cortisol is rising, which we know is one of the things that wakes us up in the morning. Um, and you know that can then be a natural habit, waking up at 5am in the morning, raise your hand if that's you, you've got a 5am waker on your hands there. So we really want to keep the room, the bedroom as dark as you possibly can, and then your child has got the you know, the optimum environment to sleep in. And it's got that chance, just an extra puzzle piece, that extra chance there to to sleep a little bit longer and get to sort of six or maybe even 7 a.m. as well, okay? Having a dark room will not only signal to your child that it's time for sleep, um, but it also signals to the brain and it helps the brain switch off, it triggers that release of melatonin, of course. And it's just a lot less stimulating, Because if we can see things in our bedroom, we're looking at them, we're thinking about them, we're talking about them. um, And it's just just the same for children as well. Because when they see their toys, they want to hop out of bed, they want to reach to it, they want to play with it, and they're chatting about it. So having a dark room will um, just, you know, cut all of that out, okay? Um, Having blackouts on the windows... Yes, they might be pricey in the long run depending on what option you go for. I know um some people will get them handmade, made to measure, fit to fit the bedrooms. Yeah, they're going to be pricey, but in the long term it's it's worth it. And if you're in your forever home, then why would you not? Um aside of, you know, keeping that unwanted light out, it's also going to help keep the room cooler in the spring, summer, warmer months. Um, because it'll block out the sun as well and that's what we want to do is we want to block out the sun and um, you know when I'm you know living here in Spain and I just want to have all the windows open and the sun pouring in and I find it really difficult in the in the summer when it's 35 degrees because not because of the temperature I love it but we have all the blinds closed and it just blocks out that sunlight and I hate it I feel like I'm living in a cave because I want to see that sunshine. But of course, with the sun pouring in, it gets hot. So having those blackouts there will help block out the sun and stop the bedroom getting so hot. Um, So what kind of light affects the melatonin levels? So we've talked about that daylight, obviously, that sunlight. LED light bulbs, fluorescent light bulbs, and screen light from any devices, even your watches that light up. All that light will affect melatonin levels okay <clears throat> daylight contains a lot of what we call as blue light. so you might have heard people talking about the blue light spectrum Um, so daylight contains a lot of that blue light it's at that you know high end of the blue light spectrum okay It's a big no-no uh, when it comes to sleep. We don't want any of this blue light in the bedroom or high exposure to it before we're going to sleep or before your child is going to sleep. The light bulbs and screen light has the most blue light and the most profound effect on the body's circadian rhythm. So if you are letting your child sit in front of TV or iPad screens before they go to bed or even letting them take iPads to bed with them, this can really affect them falling asleep, staying asleep and the quality of sleep. Not only um, does the blue light really play havoc um, with the melatonin, but it really overstimulates the brain. And, it, you know, maybe yourself, you know, sometimes when I'm working sort of 11 o'clock at night on the computer, I go to bed, my brain is totally buzzing because of all this information I've just been working with. Maybe I've worked with a client and it's been a late consultation. I come off the computer and I'm like, whoa, my head, I'm just full and buzzing and I can't switch off. <clears throat> so that's, you know, just bear those things in mind. You really don't want to be exposing your child to lots of blue light at least 60 to 90 minutes before sleep time or bedtime. Okay. Now, how dark should the bedroom ideally be? <clears throat> Again, it's very simple. If you can read a book or see your hand in front of your face, then the room's too light. You need to get some blackout blinds up there pronto and um, you know if it works for your child then that's fine Um, but like I say a lot of children really struggle with light and if you're that anxious mum that just wants to you know make sure you've got all your bases covered when it comes to sleep you need to get those blackout blinds up pronto you might be saying but Rachel I can't do it too dark because my child is scared of the dark okay so there is a way around it okay This is what we're going to do. There there are many ways around this scenario. And first of all, I'm just going to tell you that because I advise to have the room completely dark, it doesn't mean that you can't have any light at all. You can. And that light is going to be red light. Red light is at the other end of that blue light spectrum I was just talking about. It's not going to suppress the levels of melatonin um, or it being released into the body um, like other light does okay, what does this red light look like? Well, you can do something as easy and simple as get a red light bulb from Amazon or the hardware store and pop it into a really regular side lamp bedside lamp for your child to have in your room, okay, something as simple as that. <clears throat> I have known some parents to get a really low watt regular bulb and even paint it with red glass paint um Don't be putting like red scarves over any lights because obviously that is going to be a fire hazard. So that's a big no-no. Something simple, a red light bulb from Amazon into a lamp. Easy, job's done. If you are wanting to invest in something a little bit more high tech, then have you heard of The Hatch? Again, I'm going to put all these links in the show notes for you so you can go check them out. Um, the Hatch is a little pricier. It's not out of this world pricey though. Um, it's a great tool for your child to also understand when it's time to get up or go to bed and get up um, because it has uh, an inbuilt light alarm clock, as it were. You know, you can like everything these days, it comes with an app on your phone. So you can set the Hatch, um, this little device, it's small um you know just a bit bigger than a sort of tumbler glass um and you can use the app to set it to go a certain color at bedtime so for example we use the the, the traffic light system for many toddlers who are pushing back with their bedtime so we'll have green for go that's bath time amber for story time and pajamas and then it'll go red for red for bed it rhymes um and then the toddler knows when it's time to you know, getting to bed, and you know game's over it 's time to go to sleep now, and you can use that app to set those times so six p m goes green six fifteen it goes amber six thirty it goes red, and then in the morning, you could do the reverse, so it goes amber at let's say six thirty in the morning and then green at seven a m so they know when the amber light comes on it 's nearly time to get up, and green go they can get up and it has that white noise built into the the device as well so that's a really great one you can keep that red light on all night and your child has got some light in there and it can be really comforting for those children who you know say they're scared of the dark and there's monsters under the bed and all of these things um a few things a few blackout options that I have used that are my favorite and I do recommend to my one to one clients um the first one I just absolutely loved it it's it was super simple and it's just an easy product from good old amazon um where would we be without Amazon I don't know um <clears throat> it's literally a piece of Velcro material. It is a specifically a blackout blind, but it's like a very thick Velcro material. Um, It can come in three different sizes. So um, the link that I put in the show notes. Check the size before you purchase. You're best measuring the space that you have that you want to cover, and then go and check which size is best for for you. Which one you need. Um, You know they can come in like small, medium, and large. Um you may need to cut it as I did you know I think I probably bought the large one and I needed to trim it a little bit to, to fit my window um, and it, then it comes also with the sort of the opposite side of the velcro the sticky strips which I stuck to the window frame and then I just stuck the material up when it was nap time and bedtime and it was amazing you know for Leo's naps in the afternoon that sunlight was coming into the bedroom and I put that up. It was pitch black in there. It was it was great. The only downside of it was that, you know, I had to physically put it up and down every time. And so I was standing on a little stool to stick it up because obviously the window frames were taller than me, as most things are. Um, but I just pulled it down and put it up, folded it for the day and put it back up when I needed it. It was super easy. It was great. Um, blocked out 100% of light. It was like entering a cave. So it, I really recommend that one. And it was very, very affordable. Again, I'll put that link in the show notes for you to check out. Now, another one I had in Chloe's room, um, you may have seen or heard of it. uh, It's called the Grow Anywhere Blind. This is a really great option if you're going away on holiday. Um, I do slightly sit on the fence with it. Like I said, it's a great option if you're going away, temporary thing. It's fairly easy to put up. It travels really well because it's just, you know, a material, piece of material. It's got suckers on one end that you stick to the window. You wet them, stick it to the window, and it's done. And it folds up, stick it in the suitcase, easy peasy. The reason I sit in the fence with it is because it can let in some light between the suckers. So you might find you need to take a little bit of extra tape to it and stick those gaps to the window frame. Um but it's it's a great option Um, again check the size of it you might need one you might need two depending on the size of the windows that you've got um i've had parents that when they go into the child's bedroom that light floods into the room um so sometimes this blackout grow anywhere blind can be great because it can sort of sucker to the frame of the door and hang down in the doorway um and another option is i've had parents do this and it sounds crazy um but just a black sheet from amazon can be really really useful and really helpful you can just tack it to the window um sorry to the door frame and let it hang down so you've got the door you know ajar or closed however you have it on, on your child's bedroom um but having that sort of sheet hanging down you can sneak into the room much easier and let a lot less light in when you're coming in rather than having a door opening so that can be quite helpful as well another option is a blackout film this option might be preferred if you're not able to put velcro strips up on the window frames maybe you're uh you don't want to ruin the window frames you're in a rented property um this blackout film is really helpful and it just literally just sticks to the window you need to damp the window first a little bit um, you can just use a damp cloth or a window squeegee something like that and then just lay the film over it when you peel it off <clears throat> it's not going to leave any residue behind and um, you just literally peel it off you might want to wipe the window because it might be uh, it might be a little bit damp But when I say residue, it's not going to leave any sort of sticky marks. Um, And then you just roll it up and then refix it the next time you need to use it. Um, And another really, really random temporary solution. This is the last one. Again, go with me here. It sounds really weird and your neighbors might be raising an eyebrow or two and wondering what you're growing in your bedrooms. Um, But foil, it can be really, really great. Even if you've got like a skylight or a really small, awkward shaped window, or if you're going away and staying in an Airbnb um, and you just need something temporary, foil. It sounds really strange, but I swear to you, it works. It Again, it will just block out all the light. And all you do is again, you just wet the window with a cloth, a damp cloth, and you just stick the foil up to it. It sticks very easily, nicely, doesn't fall down and it will stop any light entering into the room so there we go as we are fully into spring and summer is really really close which is very exciting um your blackout options your blackout options for the window to keep that light out I hope this podcast has helped you find some solutions um for your bedroom windows and light situation um Please feel free to share this podcast with your friends. Don't forget to rate and review me. I would really, really appreciate any reviews you'd like to leave um, and a rating because it just helps the podcast reach more more parents out there. And certainly we know, um, definitely I have a lot more mums listening to the podcast than dads out there. Um, and there's a lot of anxious mums out there who are just, you know, want to cover all bases. I was certainly one. I still am with our windows and keeping the light out. Um, So please rate, review and share away. And I hope you all have a fabulous day. Bye. Hey, everybody. I hope you're having a great day wherever you are in the world. Uh, Welcome to this week's podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking to you about my favorite sleep sacks. It's been a long time since I've uh, used any sleep sacks on my babies. They're in proper big beds now with cozy duvets. But sleep sacks are always something that I'm asked about um, by my clients, and especially those ones who are transitioning out of the. I can't speak today. Transitioning out of the swaddle, and they wonder what is the best sleep sack to purchase for your baby. So here I am. I'm going to be talking about all of this today in this week's podcast. And with so many different options on the market, it can be really hard to decide what is the best one to go for. So. Hopefully, this podcast will uh will help you make decisions um like i said there's so many different options on the market, and with so many high street stores that stock them, such as Marks and Spencer's and Sainsbury's in the <clears throat> u k you might feel like, "Oh well, is this the only option? Are they any good? What if there's other things out there, and you just want to dig a little bit deeper and explore other options so what what should you be looking for let's start with this what should you be looking for in a sleep sack well <clears throat> there's a few things okay so first of all i would always recommend to have a breathable material okay you don't want fleece that's a big no-no and um, you want to have a breathable material 100 percent cotton or bamboo which is really great especially for children who are um, prone to eczema Um, Or a merino wool, okay? Merino is a really popular choice um, because it really helps regulate the body's temperature. It keeps the baby warm in the winter and cool in the summer. Really strange, but true. Um, You need to have something that's washable, that's easily washable. You can stick it in the washing machine, done. You don't want to be faffing around with any hand washing items here. Um, And you're going to have to have at least three in your drawer. Because you're going to put one on your baby at night time. They may need a change in the middle of the night. And maybe in the morning when they've woken up, they've pooped all over it. So you need to have another one to use for the naps that day. And you can wash the other two. So make sure you've got at least three in the drawer. Okay. Make sure you look for the British Safety Standard a uh, mark on the labels for baby sleep bags okay now it is voluntary by the manufacturer whether they want to put that standard mark on their sleep bags okay there will be a code on the label so you might want to make your own research in this um because regulations often change so when i was looking into this um it did you know the the research i came up was saying that it is voluntary voluntary by the manufacturer whether they want to put that british safety standard mark onto their labels okay now other things that you want to look for okay things that you might not have thought um so i'm just going to go through them now with you okay so number 1 the neckline must be the appropriate size for the child and not too big because you don't want your baby wriggling and slipping down inside of the sleep bag even though their arms are out if you've got a 6-month-old baby and you're using an 18-month-old sleep bag it's going to be way too big for them okay and they're going to be able to wriggle inside and that's obviously going to cause a safe sleep hava- hazard you want to you know you want to use a sleep sack that is designed for the age of your child um make sure any labels are not looped so you know some labels on clothes are looped so you could like you know you could use it to hang it on a peg you don't want any of that because they might catch their little toes fingers something inside there okay you don't want to have any long threads in the stitching so make sure there's no loose threads you don't want them pulling it and certainly you know if there are super long threads some you know I have seen it it sounds really strange, but I have seen it people putting long strings and ribbons on the zips um because sometimes you might find it they might find it difficult to find the zip in the middle of the night to change nappies, so they put a really long thread on there or a ribbon to find that zip and open it easily. No, that's a big no no for obvious reasons. you don't want their child playing with um, long threads to wrap it around their neck or their arms, their fingers their um their wrists. It's a safe sleep hazard um zips must only be there for the purpose of opening and closing the uh the sleep bag and not for any decorative reasons zips only on the front or at the side Um, obviously the zip would be at the back for those little wrigglers who are taking their sleep sacks off and we put it on backwards um but zips just have them for the purpose only no fancy zips anywhere else Poppers again, just for the purpose, not for decorative reasons. A sleep bag is just needs to be simple. We're sleeping in it; it's not for playtime. And um, make sure those poppers are really, really securely um, attached to the sleep bag. You know, if you're going to a um, a handmade farmer's market and someone is sitting there making sleep bags that look beautiful, just check the poppers and the zips and any loose threads there okay um the shoulder poppers are are really handy but again you you don't want them loose and you don't want them too too difficult that you can't actually undo them some poppers can be really difficult and you're really trying to um pull them really hard to to open and again in the middle of the night changing nappies or changing sleep bags if you're sort of wrestling with poppers in the middle of the night that's not so much fun, is it? Again, if it's too easy, your child may unpop them and they'll be able to wriggle inside the um, the sleep bag, okay? Sleep bags must adhere to fire safety regulations. So just check that on the label as well, okay? <clears throat> now, inverted commas, a normal sleep sack should be fine. You know, If you pick one up in Marks & Spencer's, Sainsbury's, local high street store, they should be absolutely fine. Just check all of these points before you purchase, and you're happy with it. Do not use a weighted sleep bag, okay A lot of people will opt to get a weighted sleep bag because they think it is going to solve their child's sleep issues and challenges at night because as soon as maybe you put your hand on your baby um and apply a little bit of pressure, they go back to sleep so of course, let's get a weighted sleep bag that is a little bit heavy on their tummy um, and they feel that pressure think it's mum's or dad's hand and they go back to sleep no okay please if you're thinking about getting a weighted sleep sack speak to your gp first Um, recent regulations have changed and any weighted sleep sacks or um, blankets have to be approved by your gp first okay when your little one starts to roll around in the cot as well they might find it hard or really uncomfortable if they've got this weighted bag on them, okay? Um, So just, you know, don't get it. Go and speak to your GP first, okay? Your baby is going to sleep longer stretches of time when they're good and ready developmentally um, and when they don't have all these sleep associations in place and they're medically clear, you know, they don't have any issues with the ENT or tongue ties or anything else going on. Um, And they've got that super skill to fall asleep independently. It's not going to be because you've bought them a weighted sleep bag. My top three favourites. Okay. Number one, Simple Easy The Grow Company. This was my go-to for simple easy sleep sacks for both Leo and Chloe. Okay. Um, They have a huge array of colors and sizes ranging from six months um, up to, I think, gosh, now it was about 10 years old when I did my research. Um, They are all either British standard or Australian safety standard approved, okay? Um, Tog weight from 0.2 to 3.5, so really depending on the time of year and the room temperature season, um, they will have a sleep sack that is appropriate for the temperature okay so really hot summers you just might want a 0.2 tog um, and really cold winters you're going to go for a 3.5 most have got zips up the side poppers on the shoulders and um, some have got the front openings i always personally preferred the side because when i went to leo or chloe i unpopped the shoulders un did the side zipper and I pulled the sleep sack off like a blanket and I could lift them in and out and I didn't have to um pull their arms out of the shoulders that didn't have poppers there and that was you know you sort of that was just a bit uncomfortable I think um and then you know sort of pulling it open if it's got a zipper down the front you're sort of pulling open the sleep sack and then it all just gets crumpled and everything I found that frustrating others don't um, that's why they have different different designs I guess um, now the grow company they've got you can get them in the UK France Germany and Australia they distribute in John Lewis boots and Amazon um, as well they have teamed up with Tommy TP so you might you know if you go and Google the grow company you might come up with Tommy TP website um because they've merged and they've 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 collaborated they've gone together so i'll put all these links in the show notes for you to go and have a scout about in there as well <clears throat> now um number 2 um my next favorite is the merino kids slightly more expensive than the grow company because we are dealing with merino wool here their sleep bags are 100% natural fibers um, they've got some really beautiful simple colors simple designs no frills The merino wool is 100% breathable. It regulates your baby's body temperature. Um, And like I said, they're a little bit more expensive than the cotton choices, but they're really, really pretty and they're really soft and really, really nice. Um, Don't be put off by how thin they are. Um, It's merino wool, it does does the job. Um, They're 100% machine washable, okay? So you can stick them in the washing machine, and hang them out to dry absolutely fine um and they've also got a slot to pop in a seatbelt through them so if you are um out and about and your baby is in their sleep bag you can keep them in their sleep bag into the car but obviously make sure that they're not going to overheat okay so that's a whole other podcast to talk about car safety um but just you know be aware of that Um, The design again with Merino Kids sleep bags, the zippers are up the side, it's got one shoulder popper, Um, really easy, simple, I love the softness of them and how thin they were Um, and I think Leo, um, we were given one when Leo was born and he really liked it and he felt like he had a lot of room to move about and could do so easily without like a big sort of thick sleep bag all bunching up around him. Uh, My third sleep sack, my third one that I recommend highly is the love to dream sleep sacks. Now the stage two, the stage one is the swaddles with the arms up swaddle. I'm talking about the stage two sleep sacks here. Okay. Swaddles, again, another podcast. Um, The love to dream, they're really popular, really popular. Um, They've got a great range of really inoffensive patterns the colours of their sleep sacks are really nice, simple greys and whites. And they are they are designed to also help transition from, if you've gone from the swaddle to the sleep sack, and then from um, the sleep sack to nothing as well. Um, the transition from the swaddle to the sleep sack they have these shoulder compartments where the arms are because it's arms up swaddle and you can zip them off and you can do one at a time so when you are transitioning to the sleep sack you can just have one arm free for a few days and then you can release the other arm okay and the rest of the body stays tight and snug in in the sleep sack they're really great and they also do sleep bags with legs so a lot of parents will report to me that you know they don't like the sleep bags they can't walk in them or they feel like they're you know they're all trapped and they prefer to have legs on them then this is a really great option the love to dream um sleep bags with legs um again i really like them slow and gentle transition from the swaddle to the sleep bag um they have tog ratings from 1 to 2.5 so If you're looking for something super, super snug and warm and cozy for cold winters, then I would probably go with the grow bag, Um, but any other times of the year, the love to dream is is really great. Um, They have a website, as everything does these days, and also I know uh, Jojo Baby Mammal stocks them as well. So there we go, short, quick podcast all about sleep sacks for you today. Um, I will put all the links in the show notes for you. If you've got any questions about about sleep sacks or the podcast today or you have a topic that you would like me to discuss on the podcast or you would like to be featured on a podcast, um, please feel free to get in touch. Just send me an email, link in the show notes. Um, and get in touch. I love to hear from from anyone and all of you, so please do so. And please, I would really, really appreciate um, uh, a rate and review on the podcast. It really helps the podcast reach more people out there. And certainly with um, anxious mums out there who are not sure about any of the topics that I discuss on the podcast, it can really help reduce our anxieties, and know that there's somebody out there rooting for them and able to answer your questions. All right, everybody, I'll let you get on with your day, and I will catch you next time. Bye for now. Hey, everybody, welcome to this week's podcast, and this week I'm going to be talking to you about sleep and your sick child. Um, It seems a bit strange to be releasing a podcast at this time of the year when, you know, the sun is shining and it's warm and we think nobody gets sick. But you'd be surprised, Um, especially if your little one is starting nursery um, and you are just finding your, like, it's constant, constant illness coming through the door. So um, here we go. Hopefully today's podcast is going to shed some light on how to navigate um, this time when your child is sick and sleep. Um, it's it's really tricky. It's very tricky because you might find that you know you've just got your sleep sorted and you're all on track, and then bang, another temperature rears its ugly head, and perhaps you're just changing bed sheets for the fifth time after they've been sick all over them, um, and now the sleep is just poof poof gone, gone out the window, and you're just thinking, oh gosh, what now? And if you have been sleep training and you know you've done all of that and you've gone through all of that you might be thinking oh gosh how how do we get back to really good sleep because you might be sleeping in your child's bedroom um with them or perhaps you've brought them into your bed for a number of nights weeks days whatever that looks like and you're sort of thinking oh gosh how are we going to get the sleep back so don't worry it's it can be you know all fine in the end um so, first of all, let's let's sort of go right to the very beginning here, and you might, you know, when your child is starting to feel a little bit under the weather, they might not necessarily have a temperature or be off their food, but you just might notice that they're a little clingier and a little bit more whingy in the daytime, perhaps they are off their food a little bit, um, and sleep is just a little bit off kilter, a little bit off track, and they're not so interested in sleeping independently anymore. Um, And this is a little bit tricky. So um, what I will tell you to start off is that if you have got a good independent sleeper before your child gets sick, then the chances are you're going to get that same great sleeper back when your little one is fit and healthy is... 1,000%, okay? It's very unlikely that a child who's got great sleep skills cemented there is ill for a couple of weeks and then suddenly has forgotten how to sleep. Um, it would have to be something very serious to have happened <clears throat> with their sleep to change that, okay? Um, and as long as you are not introducing any sort of unwanted sleeping habits um, that you don't want To continue then it should all be fine those unwanted sleeping habits what are they well bed sharing is this one of the the big things that parents come to me saying you know you know we've enjoyed our bed sharing time but now it's just done I I can't sleep and and if you go back to that for a long period of time it might be that your child remembers how to go to sleep how they did this before and they cling on to that Um, So that's just one example of an unwanted sleeping habit, perhaps. So how are you going to navigate your way through this illness with disrupted sleep? Well, research tells us that we, we know all too well, from our mums as well drumming it into us, that sleep helps us heal. Sleep helps us recover. Sleep helps the body recuperate and builds that immune system back up again, and helps fight those bugs, those infections that are coursing through your child's body. Sleep is a vital part of preventing illness and the healing process. So, you know, often I will have parents come to me saying, our child is just constantly ill all the time. And then we talk about the sleep and their child is never sleeping. Well, sometimes the two go hand in hand because they're never getting that sleep that they need. They haven't got a chance to fight off any infections and illnesses. So it's, You know a catch twenty two cycle here. Keep um, keep life simple for a few days. Um, Don't overstimulate your child and give them the time and the space to recuperate. Let them rest. Let them sleep. You know, if you when when we're ill, we just like want to go to bed and sleep, even if it's you know four o'clock in the afternoon. Let your child do that. They need to sleep, follow, follow that, follow that pattern. You know, obviously if they're pretty ill, they just need to rest and sleep. And yes, it's going to put your routine off track and probably your nights as well, but your nights are going to probably be all over the place when your child's sick anyway. We need to be there to offer more cuddles and kisses, snuggle up on the sofa together and just have that little extra snoozle or two, you know, in the daytime, keep their special teddy close to them. For that comfort, and just slow down for a few days, okay, once you feel you've caught up <clears throat> you've that your child's sort of caught up on more rest, then it's time to sort of get back to sticking to that routine, even if they're still ill. sometimes it can really help just to stick to routine um as much as you possibly can yes, your child is most likely still going to be sleepier and more lethargic and still need more sleep during this period. So what to do is put them down a little earlier for their naps or for bedtime, but try and wake them at their usual time. And this still will keep in some sort of sync with their body's natural circadian rhythm. Okay. It is absolutely 100% okay to let them sleep a little extra. After all, their body is asking for it. So let it, let it have it just give it to them okay it's what it needs they will do it um make sure your child keeps up with their fluids and calories obviously now you know number of children i've i've looked after in my nanny years and and supported through sleep training when children are feeling ill they just don't want to eat anything and sometimes they just don't want to drink anything either and Us parents, we get very anxious and worried that they haven't eaten anything, their strength is low, how are they going to get better, they haven't eaten anything, they haven't had anything to drink. Remember, children are very good, very good, very clever at regulating their own hunger. So unlike yourself and me, big time me, we could go out and eat a three course meal, be completely full, and then come home, sit down in front of Netflix and see chocolate cake in front of us. I know for one, I'm probably going to go and have a little bit of that chocolate cake, even though I feel totally full. Children are very different. When they are full, when they're not hungry, they won't eat. So you can't force a child to eat. If you are worried, if you are concerned about your child not eating and their fluids are going down, then Go and see your your doctor, your pediatrician, health visitor. Go and speak to them, um, and have them checked over. They might give you some sort of supplement or something just to keep their fluids up a little bit. Okay, even just go and speak to the um, speak to um, the assistants in the um, in the chemist, your local pharmacy, and they will be able to help you. Okay, you might you know breastfeeding parents, you might want to offer more feeds and water during the day, especially if your child is vomiting a lot and they've got diarrhea. They're going to need to keep those fluids up. Um, They might also need extra feeds in the night as well. You know, you might have dropped all feeds at night or down to one, and then suddenly you're back up to one, two, three feeds in the night or your child is asking for water. Give it to them. They're going to need it to recover, okay? If your child is old enough to understand you know how to use a water water beaker and you feel confident that they're not going to choke on the water you can leave that water beaker next to them at night and so it's there for them when they wake up in the night and when they're thirsty they can reach for it and they can take a drink themselves of course please be sensible about this follow safe sleep guidelines you do not want them to be choking on water in the night Um, and also you don't want it leaking all over the bed sheets and the mattress because that's the last thing you want is a wet mattress isn't it Make sure you've got those waterproof mattress protectors there. And what I often recommend is doing bed lasagna. What is bed lasagna, Rachel? Well, bed lasagna, it's a little little hack, little parent hack. Um, You know those bed mats, those disposable bed mats you can get in the supermarket? Um, You can get really cheap ones. I think Huggies do quite a good brand. They're more expensive. Um, I even think you might find them down the pet aisle, the piddle pads, some people call them. Um, they're just a little square sheet and you put it on top of your waterproof mattress protector but underneath the sheet so when your child um, you know does spill something or is sick um, I just have them there anyway I mean Leo and Chloe are five and seven now and I still have them there for any accidents that may occur in the night and and then I would put the sheet on top and then I would do another one I would do another bed mat and then another sheet so in the night if I do need to take off a top layer because it's wet it's been you know and child's vomited on it I just have to take the top layer off and I've got a clean layer underneath I do not have to be messing around with sheets and mattress protectors in the middle of the night it is all there bed lasagna you can do as many layers as those as you wish um, it's good to keep the sleep environment really consistent okay now of course when your child is sick we want to be close to them especially at nighttime you know we you know we worry that they're going to choke they're going to be sick um, you know maybe they're just too little and they can't call out for you it's normal that we want to have our child close to us okay um, you may be very tempted to bring your child to your bed to sleep in for the night There's nothing wrong with that if it works for your family and you want to do that. Your great independent sleeper, however, might potentially start getting used to sleeping with you again, okay? As I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, old sleep habits may return. I'm not saying they will, but they may return and you might find yourself back in that sleep deprived state again, okay? Which I am pretty confident you don't want to be there Um, and equally your child may not actually sleep as well in the bed with you um as they would in their own sleep space they have their own space in their bed in bed with you they don't have as much space and it can get quite hot you know from your body heat your partner's body heat there it can get quite hot and uncomfortable okay and if they're coughing and disturbing it's just going to disturb everybody okay um all that hard work that you put into achieving a great little sleeper might, I'm not saying it will, but it might come undone. If you are, you know, one or two nights, it's not going to make a big difference. If you're consistently doing every night for two, three, four weeks, then I would tread very carefully. <clears throat> so what can you do? Well, it would be a better idea for you to move into your child's room for a short time while they're ill, Okay. Set up a mattress on the floor, get a blow-up bed from under the stairs and go and sleep in your child's room for a few nights because it's going to be easier for you to leave their room when they're well than it will be for you to get your child back out of your bed and into their own room again, okay? And if you have been through that, you know what that journey was like, okay? (coughs) Excuse me. Um... you will want to keep their sleep environment consistent the same. So try not to disrupt it, okay? By keeping their sleep environment the same, you'll be keeping that consistency there and that familiarity of their bed and their bedroom, something that they're familiar with all in place, okay? If you're in their room, it may also be easier for you to help them settle back to sleep In their own bed in their own sleep space rather than you fighting for a little bit of space in your bed and everyone's kicking and squeezing and rolling around okay especially if your child has a high temperature they don't need to have that extra body heat from you coming up from both sides from yourself and your partner their bed has the space they need and they've got the air to circulate around them and keep them cool okay Pain relief. Now, some parents really prefer not to give pain relief. You know, when it comes to teething, teething happens from sort of four or five months right through to past two. Teething's always going to be there. My philosophy is if I've got a pain, certainly any dental pain, oh gosh, it's awful, um, I'm gonna take some sort of pain relief. Pain relief is there to help us, okay? So don't be anxious, don't feel nervous to offer that pain relief. It's okay. Some parents don't though. Entirely your choice. Um, Seek professional medical advice if you wish. You may need to get antibiotics, and that might be what your child needs. But most sniffles, most temperatures are just sorted in a few days. Perhaps some Calpol, some Nurofen, um, whatever it is in your country that you have to help um, with temperatures to keep them down, and just if your child's feeling a little bit under the weather or sore head. Um, childhood medication is there to help fight those bugs, okay? So if you're happy to reach for it, there's no harm in giving it. Always read the label. Disclaimer here always read the label and follow your advice from your GP or your pediatrician, okay? My advice here is purely on uh, personal and professional experience and professional teachings and what I have learned. Now, <clears throat> When your child is well again, you need to get back on track, don't you? So it's you know, it, it's going to come back. Your sleep, your routine, it's all going to come back on track. And if you are confident your child is healthy again and fighting fit, then it's time to return to usual sleep habits. That routine you had before your child was sick should easily slot right back into place. It's just going to come back easily, okay? Those sleep habits and practices you had before will will come back if you've got a great independent sleeper they will come back okay and I expect it to come back pretty quickly to be honest with you within a few days two three days without too much sleep disruption and sleep shaping from you I don't expect too much sleep training to happen or be needed um, if it was perhaps more recently you did some sleep training and you're struggling to get back on track again um, you might just need to be a little bit firmer. Just remember that consistency you had before you started sleep training. Think, right, come on, we're going to start being consistent. And that consistency you put in place when you were sleep training, you might just need to go back to that again um, and use the same approach you did previously. You know it's not going to take long because they will. They, they know that game. They've played that game, okay? So they know how to play that game and everything should fall into place again. But, you know, the bottom line, remember, sleep helps us recover. So if your child is lethargic and sleepier, let them sleep in the day to to recuperate. And yes, your schedule's going to go out of place, out of sync, but you will get back into, into rhythm again. All right. Hang in there. Rainbows will shine bright again soon and everybody will be well. If you've got any questions, please feel free to drop me an email. I'll put the link in the show notes for you um, and ask away any questions, whether it's about you know sleep training your sick child or any other topic, let me know if you would like to feature on one of my podcasts one week. Please, I would love to hear from you. I'm always happy to have guests on. And please feel free to rate and review the podcast. It really helps my podcast to reach further audiences and share um, the the knowledge and the experience and the professionals that I invite onto my podcast further out to other parents who are looking for more sleep support. I wish you well, I hope nobody is sick, nobody gets sick and I will check you next week. Bye for now. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's podcast. I hope you're all doing well and you're all sleeping well. This week I'm going to be talking about your 12 month old and a possible sleep regression that you um, that you may be experiencing right now and what the signs are and how you can navigate your way through it. Now first of all I'm going to correct myself straight away and say it's not a regression. I like to call them progressions and that is simply because it is actually a really positive sign of development rather than a step backwards. You know, we think the word regression is a step backwards, but actually your child is developing really well and they're wanting to practice their new skills. So we call it, well, I certainly like to call it a progression. So here's to this week's podcast, the 12 months sleep progression. So if you have survived the first year of parenting, you're still with us. Yay. Well done for you. Um you've reached this awesome milestone, your child's first birthday. Uh, maybe you're going to be celebrating with a cake smash photo shoot. Perhaps you're going to invite all the family over. You're going to celebrate in style. Um, and then suddenly all the sleep sort of goes out the window. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. hang on a minute. What's happening here? Um, <laughs> welcome. Welcome to the 12-month sleep progression. Don't worry. It too shall pass. You'll be on to something else next week, but right now, let's explore what this sleep progression really is all about and how to navigate your way through it with confidence and with ease, okay? So first off, why is this happening? Well, it's important to know that this is completely normal, okay? It's completely normal. It's an expected developmental process that your child is going through, and it is a positive sign that your child is actually developing normally, inverted commas, normally, okay? Your child at 12 months will be going through a lot of new experiences, a lot of new experiences. They may be pulling themselves up onto furniture. They may be trying to walk, starting to walk. Their speech development is really beginning to come along even though they might not be forming words yet. they their their brain their brains are really kind of like soaking in like sponges everything and that speech there they're trying to mimic you copy you and trying to form words and that communication will come as well along with that speech development their food intake you may be noticing will be increasing a lot as well and that's all because of all these new physical skills they're doing you know they're burning more energy they need more food so they're more hungry. This is all very exciting for your baby, and their busy little brain is just trying to process it all. And when are they processing it? At nighttime, of course. They're processing it at nighttime because they're in a state of calm. Their inverted commas switched off, and their brain is going, oh, hang on a minute, it's nice and calm in here. Now I can think about everything I did today. I took my first steps today. Oh, I want to practice. I want to practice. Let's wake up let's try and walk around the cot, I'm trying to talk a lot more to my mummy, my daddy, my carers, so let's wake up and babble away, let's see if we can get mummy's attention and call for her in the night, and then we can play, because I don't want to go back to sleep, this is too exciting. These are all the things that you are going to be finding that happens at night time, of course. Now, what are the signs that you are in this 12 months progression? Okay, Refusal of naps, okay? More often, it tends to be that first nap of the day. Waking early from a nap or cat napping is another sign. Um, increased wakings during the night, which I just touched upon there. Um, your baby might start just to be a little bit more fussy and harder to calm and console back to sleep. They might be resisting bedtimes and they might be really unsettled at bedtimes, okay? Now, those naps that your child might be refusing, it might, the thought might pass, oh gosh, right, okay, so, you know, my child's refusing that first nap, maybe they don't need it. Maybe it's time to drop that nap. Or if they're they're taking that first nap and they're struggling to, to take that second nap, that lunchtime nap, You might think, oh, okay, well, maybe we'll just, you know, give them more sleep in the morning and maybe reduce the lunchtime nap. We can play about with it. And you might start thinking of all different ways to sort of, you know, do a nap schedule, as it were. Um, And the first thing that people always do is they want to drop that first nap. Now, it is not uncommon that some 12-month-olds go down to one nap a day, but typically it happens somewhere between 15 and 18 months. Just because your child is refusing or is very unsettled during the day for their naps doesn't mean that, <coughs> excuse me, doesn't mean that it's time to drop a nap. So I suggest you keep going with your usual schedule for a good two to four weeks to see if things settle down, as I've seen this happen before. Suddenly one day naps are a nightmare, and the next day, boom, they're back on track and everything is fine and they're through that sleep. That 12 month sleep regression. How long is it going to not last? Well, I just sort of touched upon that. Um, I just mentioned, you know, keep going for about two to four weeks. Sleep regressions usually only last about two to weeks, two about two weeks. However, we know all babies are unique, they all develop at different rates, they are all different. Some go through it in shorter periods of time and some and some take a longer period of time, okay. So ballpark two to four weeks, if you are noticing symptoms that are lasting more than four weeks, it's maybe worth doing a little troubleshooting and thinking, well, hang on a minute, we should be through this now, what's going on? Has anything changed in your baby's world recently? Perhaps you've had a house move, perhaps they've started nursery, Um, perhaps there's been a new sibling introduced into the family, you know what's happened? You know, something changed in their world there. Could they be ill? Could they be teething? You know, teething gets a bad rap. Have you listened to my teething podcast? Go check it out. If not, teething does get a bad rap and is always blamed for bad sleep, but it genuinely could be teething. Um, It could just be harboring something. Something's not quite right. You know, goodness me, could it be chickenpox? Is it the cold? Something's, you know, popping up. It may be worth speaking to your GP about it. Have a checkup. Take your child along, obviously, and get them to have a good look. Um, and just get the okay from your GP, your paediatrician. Maybe you need to speak to your health visitor um, and see, you know, talk to them about any changes or something, things that, you know, may be concerning you. Um, your child should get a 12-month review, so... It's a chance to have a chat with them about your child's sleep, you know, what's been going on for a little while, you know, what could it be? You might need to consider sleep training. If your child has never really slept particularly well and they get to 12 months and it's really getting quite bad and, you know, all over the place, perhaps you're going back to work and you're just thinking, oh my goodness, how am I going to get up for the day when I've been up all night? And have to sit in the office or go to work be on my feet all day you might need to consider sleep training if if these sort of symptoms are sort of going on longer than four weeks okay what can you do to navigate your way through this sleep progression well it's super important to ensure you do not introduce any unwanted sleep habits or reintroduce old ones that maybe you have stopped you've maybe you've sleep trained before, and you've got rid of for example bed sharing you don't want to go back there again, so don't reintroduce it one or two nights isn't going to reintroduce it, but if it's going to happen for one, two, three, four weeks, then uh, I think you're playing a little bit on uh, on the edge of on the edge of fire here um offering extra feeds unless your chi- you know your child is genuinely hungry um the you know maybe going through a bit of a growth spurt maybe they need a few extra feeds but if it's a true sleep progression it's unlikely that they're going to be hungry and needing that feed and again you're sparking those blood sugars to reawaken and if it's a consistent thing every night for three four plus weeks and then you're suddenly dropping it those blood sugars are going to go. Oh, hang on a minute! It's two o'clock in the morning. We always get a feed about this time, so let's wake up. Let's ask for that feed, and that's when all these sort of unwanted habits can come back. Okay, and um, perhaps rocking and hugging and bouncing your baby back to sleep is something you've moved away from. Um, again, a few nights it's not going to be the the deal breaker here, but if it's happening three, four weeks in a row, then again I would be very, very cautious. Of course, if you are happy to do these things and it works for you and it works for your family, and your child, then go for it. Nobody's, you know, certainly not me, least of all me, um, I'm not telling you you can't do these things. Of course you can do them. There are parents out there who are happy to do that. You might be one of them listening to that. You're happy to, to bed share and rock and feed and do all of these things to support your child's sleep. And then there's other parents on the other side of the fence going, I've been there. I've done that. I can't go back there again. Um, so, so bear these things in mind. Um, it may set you back in sleep in, you know, in sleep a little bit, and you may need to sort of do a little bit of sleep training um, again, but as long as you're sort of consistent and you're not reintroducing consistently these unwanted sleep habits, you should be fine. Um, consistent, you know that means being consistent with the daily routine. With the bedtime routine, do not be tempted to drop down to one nap too early. <clears throat> what can happen is it backfires. You you are then left with a super overtired child. You drop that nap. And maybe they only get to sort of half past ten in the morning. And they're just falling asleep. Or in the buggy, when you're out, they fall asleep. Or just let them sleep. They might sleep an hour, an hour and a half. And then they're not going to take that lunchtime nap. And then they're maybe falling asleep at half four in the afternoon. And that's dangerous. Danger nap zone time, and then it's just going to put bedtimes out for kilter. If they don't have that afternoon nap at all, they've just had that couple of hours in the morning. They're going to be super overtired, and that is going to fuel night wakings and dun, 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 the dreaded early morning wake up. <coughs> early morning wake ups are um, are really high up there on the list of of sleep challenges, and they can be really hard to shift. So. You don't want to drop down to one nap too early. You've got to be absolutely 1,000% sure it's time to drop a nap. And perhaps you just need to stagger it and do it very gently. Ensure your response is consistent every time. Not too overstimulating. Um, and take any, away any potential barriers that could be inhibiting your little one's sleep, such as external noises. So close the window. Use white noise or pink noise. Ensure the room is pitch dark, remove toys and mobiles from the cot, aside of them being um, unsafe sleep props. Um, they can be just too overstimulating for your child. So if your little one is waking up in the night and you know wanting to play because they've got a new toy and it's there, then that's going to distract them from going back to sleep again. Fill up your little one's love tank during the day with loads and loads and loads and loads and bucketfuls of cuddle time and lots of eye-to-eye contact. Get down on the floor with them. Roll around on the floor with them. Lots of close eye-to-eye contact will really help. Remember that calm bath time, calm bedtime routine with the red light. White music or... White music... White noise or pink noise. Um, One person present, bath time, bedtime routine. Keep it calm, okay? Keep it consistent. And support your child back to sleep with that loving response method that you find comfortable to, to implement that suits your child's temperament and suits you. And if that is feeding and rocking, then go for it. If that's what if that's what works for your family, do it. And if it's not what works for your family, you don't have to do it. There are other ways to support your child back to sleep. Um, make sure that room is dark as well, whilst they are going to sleep, both for naps and at night time, okay? It's really key to be extremely consistent and persevere, okay? You may feel these two or so weeks, two, three, four weeks are never ending, but with your consistency, your perseverance, and the love that you have for your child, you'll find that, you know, soon your child is going to be sleeping again peacefully all the way through the night, okay? So hopefully that helps. Um, That gives you some tips to manage and navigate your way um, through the 12-month sleep progression. As always, please share this podcast with a tired family you know out there who may need it. Um, It may just shed some light on their parenting journey and their sleep journey. Um, If you have any questions about your child's sleep, Please feel free to email me i 'll put the link in the show notes below and far away, ask away if you 've got questions or a topic or indeed would like to feature on one of my podcasts, please just drop me an email. Let me know. I always welcome um guests on my podcast and please feel free to rate and review the podcast. It just helps um, helps the podcast get uh further further out there reaches more ears um and more parents out there who are looking to get sleep support. Take care, everyone, and until next time, sleep well. Bye.